Hello, welcome to Secure Talk, your trusted source of information on the latest threats, trends, tools, and technology related to cybersecurity and compliance. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Secure Talk. Secure Talk is brought to you by Adequest, your cybersecurity and compliance partner. My name is Mark Schreiner, and I'll be your host for this episode of Secure Talk. Today, we're going to be uh, talking with the CEO and president of Entirety, Mr. Emil Saye. Emil, how are you today? Doing great. How about you? Pretty good. I mean, it's a beautiful summer sunny day here in the Pacific Northwest. Where are you located? All I can see is a blurry background, so I have no clues at all. I'll blur. I'll unblur it here in a second. Um, I am in Austin, Texas, and uh, actually today is a bit of a rainy day. We've had a very um, a mild summer, uh, surprisingly, and it's been a uh, um, um, you know, we're getting rain almost every day, you know, contrary to probably a lot of uh, areas of the country. But it's been uh, it's been a very mild summer, uh, rain every day, and today's no different. But I'm sure it'll get uh, warmer later in the week. I think that says something about the world we're living in that uh, people are happy to get rain, right? <laughs> because I'm I'm from the Seattle area, and we you know usually are always complaining about the rain. We haven't had any all summer. And things are super, super dry here and make, puts, makes everybody kind of nervous. i got to ask you, um, <clears throat> what, what is going on in that part of Texas that seems like so many people want to move there? Yeah, I mean, look, um, Austin is a great, uh, is a great city. Um, and um, it is, uh, I would say, uh, you know, pretty different than the rest of Texas. It's hilly. Uh, the weather is, uh, you know, very mild. It's less, much less humid than other parts of Texas. Um, and uh, there's every you know possible type of nature other than desert here in Austin. It's you know like I said, super hilly, lots of lakes, lots of water, and um, the business climate is very pro-business. Um, so it has that you know perfect combination of being kind of a hip town, uh, live music capital of the world, uh, plus um, you know a mecca for uh, for high tech, um, and you have a you know very uh, prestigious university here, University of Texas, uh, that you know has about 55,000 students that cranks out a lot of talent, and a lot of that talent wants to stay in that city, uh, in the city, basically. So, uh, and um, I am one of those. I went to the University of Texas and stayed here um, ever since. So, yeah, that's excellent. I, I mean, there have been a couple of very high-profile, what entertainers and business people who are you know, departing California and go, going uh, straight to Austin. So you must have something really special going on there. Not the least being Joe Rogan, right? Another, exactly, uh, yeah. I mean, I competitor think, I, to your podcast, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I like to think of him as a, you know, a collaborator, you know. <laughs> That's <laughs> funny, easy. yeah. Um, well, hey, w before we get to started talking about security, um, can you tell us a little bit about uh, what Entirety does? Absolutely. Um, Entirety is a company uh, that is focused on um, the entire uh, security process uh, and uh, specifically compliance security. And um, we have roots as a managed services provider. We've been around for you know a good 20 years. We're the product of the merger of two great companies in the space, which is Hostway um, and hosting. We merged about two and a half years ago um, and uh, rebranded the company as Entirety. Um, and currently, um, we uh, are the uh, premier, I would say, comprehensive security provider 
in the space that is focused on mid-market enterprises. And uh, we encompass everything from um, managed security services to uh, managed services as well. Uh, so starting from the grounds up, from monitoring, patching, uh, disaster recovery, backup, uh, database administration, all the way to um, uh, to uh, the overall security of the uh, infrastructure of customers, of enterprise, mostly mid-market mid enterprise customers. Okay, so let me ask you this. If, if I was a mid-market enterprise customer, um, why would I look at a company like Entirety versus, you know, one of the big players going direct to, you know, one of the big three? Sure. I mean, the the what what we are seeing is that there's uh, very few companies that are willing to assume the entire um, uh, the entire security spectrum, uh, the entire security spe uh, process from beginning to end, uh, which would include compliance. Um, and uh, we are actually that company that offers a uh, single neck to choke uh, single point of contact for um, the entire uh, the entire suite what you are seeing with a lot of the big players that they specialize you know maybe in um, in one point solution or another or um, they outsource their socks um, they um, um, they will you know maybe um, custom build something specifically for you whereas you know our our solution is um, is a comprehensive solution um, it is uh, encompasses all the managed security and the managed services, right, from the grounds up. Um, and we're going to maybe hopefully touch on that, why it's important not to bifurcate um, infrastructure from security and why security needs to be built up from the from the grounds up. But, you know, we feel that security needs to build in every layer of the IT infrastructure. And this is, you know, this is essentially what Entirety brings. Um, plus, you know, you got the flexibility that we bring in with 20 years of experience that um, a lot of the big three don't bring that flexibility. They're um, very much regimented and whatnot. Um, whereas we're bringing the flexibility, we're bringing the, 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 the agility um, that, uh, that a, uh, a mid-market mid enterprise ourselves um, bring to, to the party. So for our listeners who don't really understand why an organization would outsource security, uh, you know, because traditionally a lot of companies, they want to manage everything in-house, right? And, and it, you, when you talk especially about security and compliance, what's the advantage of outsourcing? Absolutely. Um, you know, how much time do we have? <laughs> <laughs> so I'll, I'll try to be brief. Look, the advantage of security is that you're getting you're getting a surgeon that's done that operation every day, you know, 20 times a day, right? Do you want to go get your hernia repaired by somebody who does it every once in a while, or, you know, sometimes does a hernia repair, or do you want somebody that does, you know, 20 hernias a day and have seen every single permutation and every single um, uh, issue that can arise, right? And this is exactly why you want to outsource um, your security to somebody who does this on a daily basis. We manage the security of over 1,500 clients and um, and uh, some of the top tier companies uh, in the space. Uh, some Fortune 50 companies, but you know, like I said, most of our comp uh, customers are in that mid-market range. Um, and um, and this is what we do when you when we see a zero-day threat immediately, we take that and prop propagate the defenses for all our clients. An enterprise company may or may not see that, that zero-day threat because they're not managing a bunch of other 
um, other environments. We're managing environments from healthcare to fintech to industrial to um, low tech to uh, um, education, right? So, and the educational institutions. So, we are likely to start seeing these zero day threats in one of those segments, one of those customers immediately. Once we once we understand what that threat, we propagate the defenses for across all. all and very very unlikely that maybe an enterprise will get lucky and be able to identify something, but you know they're focused on their environment. They're not aware of all the threats, all the entry points that hackers are developing as we speak um, to essentially um, infiltrate. So then you know an enterprise also may not have the uh, the budget to have a 24-7 team of level ones, level two, level threes that are specializing in security and defenses, right? And, uh, you know, they may have one person that's on call, maybe two people, maybe one person on staff, but not a full team. You know, for us, you know, we have three SOCs in the United States, all staffed by U.S. personnel. Um, and, uh, you know, these are not outsourced. These are our employees. You know, when, when I go visit with them, you know, we sit down and talk about families. We, I know exactly what their problems, right? You know, and we do midnight barbecue for, for the, for the third shift, right? Wow. So that, you know, they're the, they're the folks that, but you know, it is very hard to hire a players on, on third shift and second shift, especially in the security realm, which is, which is their scarcity of talent. So, um, so there's a battle of talent out there. And I think an enterprise is going to have a very hard time getting A players, you know, to kind of staff all these shifts 24 by seven and, and make sure that, you know, it's not just eyes on glass, but people that can act on the problem. It's not, oh, you know, there's a, there's a threat and so on and so on. But somebody is going to be able to get in and get into the bowels of the beast and fix the problem right away before it occurs and before it's an escalation and before it's an issue that gets, you know, uh, that gets the attention of the media, <laughs> the wrong attention of the media. I, I think that was a pretty comprehensive explanation of, as, uh, in terms of the benefits of outsourcing security. I, I, I here in the Pacific Northwest, for you know, you touched on this that um, it's it's extremely hard to find talent, uh, you know, and the market is very very competitive. And then and then you know what you pay for an individual or for a team versus how often you actually use them because hopefully they're not always working at full capacity right because that that would mean that you have a, a pretty messy situation so you only really want those as you said brain surgeons <laughs> in places when you need an operation right and you don't want to pay for the rest of the time when they're not really off the clock so that makes a lot of sense Plus, um, you know, again, you're seeing all this different signal from all your different customers um, and and you're able to learn from that. So, I mean, you know, the knowledge that you acquire on a daily basis must be huge compared to an isolated, um, a, a, an isolated enterprise. Um, when you talk about uh, let's let's drill a little bit deeper in and, and it, it, again, it does have to be you know specific to your customers, but let's look at a managed service environment for security. What type? I mean, you touched on some of them in terms of you know a zero-day um, threat, you, being able to put a response plan in place immediately. Why don't you walk us through kind of a a day in 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 a week or a week in the month of what a managed service provider will do for their customers? Oh man, that's a fantastic question. Um, so I will walk through what should happen, right? Um, what should be happening? The first thing that a managed service provider should be bringing in to a new customer, let's say, or an existing customer, um, is an identification of the threats. And that's usually a um, what I would call like a professional services engagement, right? It could be lightweight if the environment is well known, or it could be, look, let's go do an in-depth study of what the identify what all the risks, right? 
The second thing, once you identify all the risk and you understand the environment very well, then you're able to come in and propose a um, a defense, a, a comprehensive security solution, right? Um, and a way to secure that environment. So that would encompass, okay, you know, firewall management, that would encompass, um, um, uh, you know, setting up, uh, setting up the the infrastructure and manage it in such a way to understand what is uh, anomalous traffic and what is normal traffic right so that the the people that are looking at the at the at the threats coming in can identify quickly and and react um, this would include um, patching the infrastructure uh, for threats or even for performance, right? I mean, it's it's the same thing. You know, sometimes, you know, there are performance issues, and, and you need to you know provide a patch, or it could be security. It's not always security, or it could just could be a feature update that you need to kind of you know patch up the 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 environment, whether it's the servers and whatnot. Um, it is um, a managed security, a managed services provider um, has people that are staffed up for every single issue that can happen at every level of competency 24 by 7 holidays you know weekends it doesn't matter um and uh, and they are reacting and being proactive so part of what we do is we have a team that is of course an issue happens they're going to jump on it and resolve it that's the reactive part but then we have, we have we have the technical account managers that are sitting down doing architecture reviews every month with the customer and giving them recommendations how to save money on their infrastructure, right? By optimizing it, how to reduce risks, or how to optimize performance, right? These are recommendations that go in every month. And what um, um, in what we call is a guidance level agreement, you know. So it's past the SLA. It's not just the SLA. We're coming in and giving guidance to that customer because it's an ongoing relationship. A managed services provider, it's not like a one, you know, we stop whenever we do that professional services engagement. It's an ongoing relationship. We're going we're giving recommendations constantly on how to improve security performance um, or um, total cost of ownership, for example. I mean, you mentioned that optimizing their performance. Yeah, exactly. So, 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 and I'm I'm assuming that it's, if you have customers that they have on-prem infrastructure or hybrid um, situation, you can go ahead and, and take a look at what they have on-prem as well, and 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 kind of figure out does it make sense to shift to the cloud? Does it make sense to configure it in a different way? Hundred percent. So, we are agnostic in terms of infrastructure. We run eight data centers uh, in the U.S. and Canada um, as well. We have a couple of overseas. So, um, so we run our own data centers. Uh, however, we also have extreme level competency in both Azure and AWS, and we're bringing up our Google capabilities. So, we are definitely um, agnostic, and we're able to manage things that are in the public cloud on our premises or the customer premises and be able to give that comprehensive security solutions, endpoint protection. Um, and then, so so we talked about, you know, basically identifying and, and securing, but then in case a breach happens, you gotta be able to do disaster recovery and backup. So you gotta be able to set up that, right? right. Um, and then finally, on an ongoing basis, it's kind of continuous improvement, but you gotta assure that, that that security and compliance is there and I think that usually comes in most industries with a stamp of approval. You know, not necessarily compliance is not security, security is not compliance, but it is a requirement in many cases where you have to be compliant and you have to maintain it and so on and so forth. So, you know, we bridge those kind of four angles of the of the security spectrum, if you will.
Yeah, I, I definitely want to touch on compliance in a, in a second here because it's becoming increasingly important for many different industries. Um, and the same with security, it's it's tough to find people that are really experienced, especially when you when you want to talk about some of these uh, industry specific uh, re requirements. Um, but let me come back to that. Uh, in the meantime, I mean, based upon where you're sitting, uh, you know, again, you have all this great intel because you've got you're dealing with so many different customers and, and you're receiving all the signal. Uh, what advice uh, would you give to somebody who's running a company, two, three, four hundred people, um, maybe smaller, maybe bigger, but you know they're they aware that you know there are more and more risks out there. But what are what are some of the most concerning risks, and what what advice would you give in terms of where to start? Other than obviously giving you a call, I mean, what <laughs> where yeah, to start? Lots of things to do. Absolutely. I mean, there's a there's a lot of things to do. Um, I mean, where to start is absolutely sitting down and having an honest discussions about identifying the risks. Um, every single company has uh, assets they need to protect. Um, you know, every single company in the space that you said, you know, 400, 500 employees, they, they have assets to protect and they got to be honest with themselves. Um, the most important thing is, is to be um, introspective in terms of where the gaps are and do that assessment, whether it's internally, externally, whether, you know, whichever way it happens, it needs to happen, it needs to be written down. Um, the second thing I would say, um, certainly um, really assessing your security posture um, against the the threat landscape that that is, you know, coming up um, and ensuring that you're properly secured. Third is have a disaster recovery plan because, you know, hope and prayer is not a, a you know, it, it's it's just not gonna, it's not gonna help. Um, you know, these things are happening. We saw what's going on with the Colonial Pipeline. We saw what happened with Kaseya. A lot of the hacks that are happening are coming through third party software, right? So it's not necessarily your, uh, your infrastructure that's directly getting hacked. It's third-party software that you that people are utilizing. So you got to have an inventory. And that identification phase is not just about your infrastructure, but also a complete rundown. All, all the software that you use, whether it's SaaS or um, or, or standard software that's uh, that's on-prem, um, you got to have a rundown of that, and then ask do an inventory of that, and then do an audit of that, and ask the vendors to 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 essentially you know provide some answers on. What are some of the security measures that would prevent a similar hack to what happened with the Colonial Pipeline, or you know, with um, um, with Kaseya or Solar Winds or whatnot? So, um, so I think these are some of the practical things that I would that would you know put up right up front. Yeah, it, it's amazing that how important to have a plan in place. Um, how important it is to have a, p a plan in place. And, you know, if, if you look at the companies that have been hacked or if you look at, you know, the bigger scenarios like this pandemic, and, and I always just figured that the government would have a playbook that they would pu pull off the shelf and go, oh, okay, we got a pandemic. Okay, here's here, here's what we do. And it was pretty clear that um, there we were missing a few pages and, uh, and, 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 and every state had different pages. And it was, you know, it's so it's really important to have the playbook. And, you know, you don't want to be running around going, OK, OK, so let's call. Who do we call now? And, and, and how do we communicate this to our employees, to our shareholders and everything like that? Really important to have a playbook in place. Um, and I'm assuming that that's another service that you provide is, uh, you know, 
hey guys, we're going to take care of the technical side. We're going to take care of this. Here's the communications that you're probably going to want to, or, you know, the messaging that you're going to want to give to your stakeholders, et cetera. Um, let's go back to uh, compliance. Okay. So how do you do compliance as a service, especially when there are so many different regulatory bodies out there? How do you, how do you do that? Yeah. I mean, we have a, we have a virtual CISO type of uh, offering. So <laughs> um, we come in and, um, you know, we um, understand, to be frank with you, uh, in many cases, a lot of clients don't know what they need to be, who, what agencies do, you know, we still have questions like, well, you're, when we're an educational institution, you know, we don't really need to be compliant with FERPA and this and that. It's like, yes, you do. And, you know, these are the reasons, or maybe, no, you don't, but you do have to be compliant with these other, with GDPR as an example, or, you know, whatever, right? So, um, so the first aspect is kind of really sitting down and figure out what are the compliance aspects that they need to be, uh, to adhere to. Um, the next thing is we put a, um, a virtual CISO engagement where a, um, we have a fractional CISO, we have a team of fractional CISOs that will come in and essentially, um, um, be that voice of this is what you need to do on an ongoing basis to be compliant and help them with the audits and help them with all the measures that need to be happening. So it is a person that they talk to that is their virtual CISO as if they had a, you know, a, a full-time CISO that would engage with the employees, with their employees on an ongoing basis. So it is, it is a service, you know, they do, um, they do a monthly sit down where they do an audit, they give their recommendations, um, they check on progress for what the internal teams are doing, um, and so on and so forth. And it could be more frequent depending on the customer and the effort that is that is that is ongoing. So um, this is a service that that we provide that is extremely popular with our customers. Are there any uh, compliance specific tools that you use or that you see in the market that you recommend? Um, absolutely. Um, you, you know, we use. Um, we use certain homegrown tools um, internally um, with 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 our customers. I mean, there's lots of checklists out there um, that that could help. But I I would emphasize a tool needs to be coupled with the brain power of a sure. of a human being. It's just not going to do it all you know um, all all in its own. That's just my humble recommendation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, this yeah. I don't oh, want to necessarily ahead. get into into the tools because you know you get into uh, you, you know, the, the tool is the tool. It's just going to have to be coupled with the right posture of the organization and then with the right brain power to kind of drive it essentially. Yeah. And, and again, we work very closely with, with, with Microsoft. And so we're kind of, I wouldn't say partial, but that's, that's just, you know, the, the area that we, we spend most of our time in. Um, and they've got a tool, for example, called compliance manager. Sure. It doesn't do the work. It doesn't do the work for you. But it does allow you to track your, you know, your your compliance posture across a wide variety of different, you know, uh, regulatory bodies. Which just that tracking aspect can be helpful. Um, and then, of course, you can assign responsibility, et cetera. Uh, but I mean, things things like that I think are are helpful because, um, it, like you said before, you got to have things written down. Um, if 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 you think, oh yeah, I think we're compliant. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's nice to have some kind of documentation. In fact, most of the regulatory bodies they kind of the first step is that, you know, where's your documentation? Where's your plan? Where's your gap analysis and that? And if you have some something like that in place, it's um, it helps you, I guess, if there's an incident. Agreed. Uh, Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. What, as, as we've seen with the Zoom settlement yesterday, right? Eighty five million dollars um, because of the t tell me about that. I, 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 I'm sorry. I, I missed that one. So tell me. Yeah. About so 
Um, so, you know, you've all heard of the Zoom bombings, right? Sure, in this situation. Sure. So they've had to settle $85 million. And this is where we go. And I mean, this is what we've been preaching for years is, is you know, security has to be built in into your code, like from the get-go. You know, right. sec DevOps is not a, you know, oh, innovative terms. Let's see how we do, like how how we do it. It's gotta be, it's gotta be done. It's a necessity now, right? So what people used to think about, like in terms of, hey, this piece of software is a is an asset now, very quickly can become a liability, just like what we've seen here with 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 uh, with Zoom, right? And their settlement, right? And they have a great piece of you know technology that works and widely spread, and all of a sudden, because of the security hacks that they've had, they've had to settle 85, I, I think they just paid over $85 million in, in settlements, and probably it's going to keep, you know, going up. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I've heard of some, some pretty crazy stories of, of, of uh, school children who were traumatized by some of these Zoom bomb attacks, and uh, it's, it, 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 this whole, you know, the pandemic in last year has been crazy in terms of how it's accelerated some business models. It's crushed other business models. I mean, if you were in the travel industry, for example, I mean, you know, but uh, but companies like Zoom and Amazon have have benefited. But then that exposed potential issues, and uh, it just accelerated so many different things. Um, it's 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 really will make an interesting case study someday. Um, last question on compliance: What what are the most um, I guess the 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 compliance or regulatory bodies that you think our companies should be most concerned with? Um, I think if you are in healthcare, uh, certainly it is uh, HIPAA and high trust. Um, that's just, you know, um, it's, a, it's a must. Um, and we help customers with both uh, and becoming compliant and staying compliant with both. And, you know, we ourselves are compliant as well. Um, certainly uh, for anybody processing credit cards or, you know, touching credit cards or whatnot, it's the PCI compliance access uh, uh, aspects. Um, um, I do think like one that is not very well publicized or well known or, you know, for educational institutions, FERPA is very important because, you know, our our kids, uh, you know, the information about kids and students and is confidentiality of that information is as important than, you know, than adults and healthcare data, right? So, um, so we got to protect the information about our kids and uh, students in general. And I think one aspect is FERPA is not very well broadly, um, uh, broadly adopted, I would say, by a lot of educational institutions and I think should be. Um, and, uh, and I do believe educational institutions are behind the ball um, in having tight security uh, measures and compliance measures. And I think FERPA can bring that to protect the, 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 the online, uh, uh, online security of, of, of kids and students in general. Um, uh, GDPR certainly has, uh, has come in and been a, uh, a, a major exercise for um, a lot of companies. And I do think that uh, now we have states that are starting to kind of adopt similar uh, regulations that GDPR that we're going to have to start to juggle, right? So there are states in the United States, you know, Texas, California, whatnot, um, that are that are bringing in their own privacy uh, privacy rules. Now, um, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, um, on the Fed ramp and uh, uh, FISMA side, you know, that's all federal. And if you want to do business with the federal government, absolutely true. Um, and that is uh, that is a requirement there. Um, um, 
and and certainly it's a it's a it's a major hurdle if you want to do business with with the government with the federal government for that so okay excellent thank you hey I, one more question uh, related to the uh, the pandemic and you know and I, we, we mentioned that it accelerated a, a lot of different things one of the things that uh, accelerated was the whole um, remote work or work from home um what services have you provided your customers to help facilitate that whole remote work or work from home yeah for our customers yeah for our customers certainly um you know vpn services um vdi right office 365 suites you know roll out very quickly or all kinds of collaboration suites not just you know office 365 but these are things that we that are in our part of our product portfolio um but on top of that is making sure that we're you know when we're offering customers these collaboration um, um suites making sure that they're secure as well so our vdi solution is a secure vdi solution office 65 is a managed office 65 solution that encompasses all aspects of security because that's part of the issue that we're having you know um um phishing uh um helping um uh, helping uh, helping our customers um do um um phishing exercises to um, assess the competency of their organization in terms of um uh, in terms of uh, uh, phishing awareness and whatnot um to keep you know to keep along those lines you know ethical hacking you know just kind of making sure that our customers are fully aware um of you know all the risks that they are taking by you know pushing that perimeter all the way to the home right and sure. uh, and um you know so so we've we've gone out and you know offered all these services um continue to offer all these services to our customers and you know kind of expanded our reach there excellent hey um i took a look at your reading list uh before and and we've read a lot of the a lot of similar books uh, good to great um built to last uh, seven habits um you know so if you had to make a recommendation in the context of you know business security uh what 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 books or sites or publications would you recommend yeah let me let me ask you um i i also want to how about how about movies to watch um oh please yeah, <laughs> yeah. um I mean, I think I think there's a lot of interesting movies, and I, I actually wrote a blog post on that. Uh, cybersecurity movies, you know, for people, you know, um, some some of the hacker movies that we all grew up with, right? And uh, you, you know, one of them, like honestly, is uh, is maybe um, Independence Day, you know, where they insert uh, they insert the hack to kind of blow up the alien ship, right? <laughs> right. Um, um, you know, um, you know, there's the movie Hackers, right? Uh, um, there is, um, um, you know, some, um, um, there's war games, of course. Uh, right. I don't know if you remember that, that, uh, oh, yeah. you know, that was one of the first one, you know, one of the first movies that kind of stuck in my head, um, right. that made me so, um, how can I say, um, so sensitive to the topic that, oh my goodness, like the whole thing could, you know, the whole thing could collapse. Right, uh, right. The whole IT, uh, our whole IT construct can can collapse. And, and this was very early on, I think 1984, if I remember, um, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and um, so, I mean, I think these are some of my suggestions in terms of um, um, 
in terms of movies, um, in terms of books, um, what what are your suggestions? You know, maybe maybe you can help me. Um, uh, no, I can help. Actually, yeah. I, I I I think that the, the, the in my experience with cybersecurity, um, the landscape is evolving so quickly that actually the best the best resources for me are uh, on the web and and then other podcasts because you know it, things are, are changing so quickly so by the time a book gets out at least the books that i've read they tend to be a bit dated now of course there's always some fundamentals that um that you know regardless of when when you know when we're talking about those same fundamentals apply so for example some of the things that you you know you talked about uh doing a, an appropriate assessment understanding you know what assets you need to protect um, uh, you know, having a patch policy or p patch plan in place, those kind of things are kind of basic fundamentals that never change. But in terms of the landscape and what's out there, uh, it basically, I get everything from the, from the web. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, Krebs on security is a good one, you know, yeah. kind of follow, of course, but that's standard. But I, I mean, you know, a lot of people don't know about it. You know, you should be surprised, you know, a lot of people that are, you know, now becoming aware of the security threat. I, mean, I would say the newcomers to um, to our world uh, are not right. aware of it. And it's it's just a good, very simple, you know, practical um, um, report to uh, to subscribe to. So, yeah. Excellent. Let me ask you this. Um, we get a lot of people who listen who are um, looking to find a job in the cybersecurity industry. And, you know, there's obviously that's a very broad statement because cybersecurity can mean many different things to many different people. And there are many different roles in the industry. But what advice would you give to prospective employees or people who are looking to find work at, in the in the security industry? Um. I would say this is a um, this is a career that you're not going to need to worry about finding a job in for the next several decades. Um, and I say that with absolute confidence. There's a shortage of talent, but not only that, there is a increased level of threat. You know, we are not facing any more hackers in their basements. We are facing nation states that are encouraging this kind of hacking, this kind of ransomware, um, and it's becoming a business. You know, ransomware is a business now, and, you know, there are office buildings in in various countries that house, you know, a, you know, hackers that come in in the morning, you know, they show up to work, and, uh, and they figure out, they collaborate together on how to, you know, ransomware certain companies or uh, do certain exploits. So, um, you, you know, we are facing a, I would say in a major um, uh, amount of work in the next several decades to combat these unethical hackers, if you will, um, with people that want to protect, that have a passion for uh, for protection and securing environments. Uh, um, either either that's part of their ethics or that's part of what they enjoy doing. Um, but in a way, to be a, a cybersecurity professional. You have to also know the ways of the of the hackers in a way. So um, mm -hmm. if you've ever, you know, and then you know, there's the whole area of ethical hacking. So um, I would say this, you know, if I was to give advice to somebody who's technically inclined, I would definitely encourage him uh, to go pursue a career and and experience in this area. Um, a lot of it is doing things on your own as well and trialing and erring yourself and. Uh, and um, understanding how code works and uh, so that you can protect it, right? So um, I would say 
absolutely 100%, you know, be curious, um, go get, uh, you know, an education in that, but most importantly, go also get some experience and go work under the tutelage of, um, of an organization that knows how to uh, deliver uh, cybersecurity. Because what you will learn in the books is only a small, tiny fraction, is on, only a small, tiny fraction of what you would need to be a success, successful cybersecurity professional. Because a lot of it, um, a lot of it is an art, as you well said, Mark. Um, a lot of it is also um, so novel that you have to, like, you have to be up, up on it. You have to be curious. You have to be up to date. You have to understand the threats, and you have to be current and interacting with the threats to be competent on it. It's just kind of like the same advice I would have given, you know, 15, 20 years ago about somebody that asked me about networking. Yes, you're going to learn a lot by, you know, studying the Cisco manual and whatnot, but, you know, you you will, uh, but it's only a fraction of what you need to manage a complex network, right? It, you know, you got to be, you got to have hands-on experience and you got to have to, you know, be apprenticed, honestly, um, on how to do it so that you're not, you know, fat fingering something and, you know, uh, putting a bunch of, uh, a bunch of users, uh, uh, offline. Yeah. So, so what I'm hearing, hearing you say is, you know, get an education, but more, more equally, or maybe more importantly, get some experience, get out there and, um, you know, get your feet into the pool. And I, I could imagine, you know, working for a company like entirety where you're doing, you know, nothing but managing security for, you know, hundreds of organizations, uh, across the country every day you're seeing different you know situations and you have to respond and I, I i think that would be an ideal opportunity to just kind of you know rapidly ramp up your skills so the, i mean that sounds make all makes sense to me um it's funny you know you talk about the evolving threat th threat landscape and even for individuals we need to be aware but it's it's you know i recently got a new credit card and the first time I went online to pay the credit card, I went on, made my payment, and half hour later, I got an email saying that there was an issue with my account. And it was a pretty cleverly done email, right? I mean, it wasn't one of these uh, Nigerian spam type things. This was, it was like, it had the logo, had everything. Um, and of course, I looked at the 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 address, you know, under the the, the alias, and um, it was it was a bogus address, and it was so somebody is sniffing something someplace, and they're they're aware that new account holders, email addresses, something, right? And it just came in right at that time, and I, I kind of don't think it was a coincidence, right? Because it was a very specific type of credit card, and it just, and I I, I got to think that a lot of people just get caught unaware and going to go ahead and click and, you know, validate their account information. <laughs> the other thing I, 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 and I don't know, I'm, cause I've lived off and on outside the States, so I haven't had too many, um, phone situations, but, uh, yeah, recently I've had calls from the IRS and from the social security <laughs> department saying, Oh, there's an, <laughs> it was so funny. They said something like, uh, we've, we've frozen your social security number. And I'm like, I don't think you can do that, <laughs> but I'm sure, I'm sure that, that, you know, you call a hundred people, there's somebody's gonna be like, Oh, well you, Oh God, they froze my, you know? <laughs> so it's just creating that awareness and that extra sense of caution that we didn't have to think about when, you know, back 15, 20 years ago, we never, never have to be concerned about that kind of stuff. I mean, I guess the worst thing we'd have to worry about is somebody stealing your, your checkbooks out of your, you know, the, the mailbox or something. Right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. You know, I, I'll tell you one, one, uh, uh, interesting story. What, and, and this is a caution for all your listeners. Um, 
when you have a new employee starting up, um, the first thing that they did to one of our new employees that just started up, um, very bright young lady, um, uh, but she she was astute enough to essentially figure it out. But this is what happened. They uh, they uh, uh, sent her a uh, email, quote unquote, from me, uh, from the CEO saying, can you please buy all these gift cards? And uh, I've seen that one. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. But for a new employee, yeah. you know, yeah. they're, they're getting an they're, email from the CEO. CEO Go right? buy these gift cards for a meeting Monday morning, yada, yada, yada. And then. Yeah. They were very belligerent with her, right? And yeah. uh, and what are, you, what are you waiting for? I told you to get out there again. <laughs> exactly, but she had the wherewithal um, to essentially contact her boss. The boss contacted me, and then you know it was a non-issue. Um, but I would say you know this is something that I mean, like new employee training. It needs to go in our new employee training. It's like, hey, look, most likely you're going to get fished, and our CEO would never do something like that where they would ask you to kind of go pay out of your pocket for right. you know for something like that, right? So yeah. No, but they they create that sense of urgency and 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 fear, and 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 some people are going to respond, right? Yeah, it's scary. Well, hey, Emil, I really enjoy this conversation. Um, I'm sure we could keep uh, rattling around for quite some time here, but uh, I know you got other things to do today. And uh, but I've I've really enjoyed this, and um, and look forward to uh, crossing paths with you in person someday. Same here, same here, Mark. Yeah, I would love to see you in Austin, or I'll see you somewhere in the Pacific Northwest as well. And um, looking forward to uh, uh, listening to all your podcasts as well. And thank you so much for your listeners. Thanks, Emil. You take care. Cheers. Bye bye. Hello, welcome to Secure Talk, your trusted source of information on the latest threats, trends, tools, and technology related to cybersecurity and compliance.